people just like you have taken the brave step to do this thing we call work differently. They tell their self-unlimited story to inspire and encourage you. Another story begins now. I've been very much looking forward to today's conversation with my guest, Nico French. Welcome, Nico. Thank you very much for having me. I am really interested to talk with you because you and I have never met. And I know you by knowing your dad. Your dad's a good friend of mine, and therefore I know that you come from good people. Your dad is also very proud of his children and the things that he shares through our shared Facebook account and the stories he tells. Let me know the very varied things that you have got going on and that you are doing. And so I said to him, I want to talk to Nico. Let's make it happen. And of course, he's, I'm going to make it happen. So here we are. Yeah, I'm very, very excited. We, we planned this a while back and I've been really, really looking forward to it. Oh, great. Now, I'm going to let you reveal some of the things uh, as we talk in our conversation. But there's a couple of threads I'm just going to put down on the table now that might give us a launching point. You are a content creator like me, and that's something that you're doing in your business, but also something that you are doing because of a interest in, and I'm trying not to reveal too many details, <laughs> but you do <laughs> podcasts. Why not? You do podcasting as well, yep. but your podcasting's not tied to your business per se. It's tied to this other interest that you have with fast cars, and then there is the crossover between with the fast cars and the marketing and everything and I just think it's fascinating so why do you have this varied workscape maybe even start with what is this varied workscape you have and why you are a person who's created this because probably it's also useful to appreciate you're a person in your 20s with a young family so this is maybe not the normal trajectory people would get into at this point in life I don't know what do you think Definitely not. Because of what kids require, what I do is probably pretty rare. And it's a combination of personal wants to chase it, but also being in the right place in the right time, in the right situations to have access to it. So it's pretty awesome. So to quickly sort of outline what I do and who I am, I love your word workscape because it's the best way to describe it. I work for myself with a whole bunch of different clients and a whole bunch of different needs. So when someone asks me, what do I do? Yes. It's a really hard question to answer. My yes. go-to answer is normally automotive photographer because that's how it started. Right. Um, it definitely does not encapsulate everything now, but it is, still is uh, quite a large part of what I do. So that, yes. uh, that's my my professional uh, term is automotive photographer. But it goes I, a lot under, I understand that. that kind of challenge because whether it's the card you have to fill in when you enter a country or a form you have to fill in for the Australian tax yep. office, they want in 12 letters or less what you are and what you do. And I'm like, I can't fill that in. Yeah, it's a very tricky one. It is a very, very tricky one. <laughs> so it's um, all right. automotive photography. And then how and where does it go? Yeah, well, so, geez, it was step by step. So we can go back to the start. So in 20, geez, just before COVID started. So 20, what was that, 2020? Yeah, yes, COVID was 2020, um, yes. I finished university and started chasing my first job to try to step into the industry and managed to have a connection, which we'll touch back on yep. later, with a car dealership called Lawbeck Luxury Cars in Melbourne. 
What did you study at university? Good question. <laughs> Business with a major in marketing and entrepreneurship, double major. Okay. And so were you thinking particularly to take that subject with something in mind or it just attracted you? I've always you? been very interested in entrepreneurship and, and owning businesses, which is why I'm working for myself now. So that was always the goal, which is why I went for the entrepreneurship major was good for that. But the marketing major was the one where I actually learned a lot more of the valuable skill because marketing is so important in any business, especially mm. in today's day and age where everything is about your um, the way you display yourself on social yeah. media more than anything else. It was definitely good for that. So finished university, started at Lawbeck Luxury Cars as an automotive photographer. I worked there throughout COVID, which was interesting, a very interesting boss. And I had my first child while I was there. Mm. Um, so this is where we can kind of touch on that first lucky opportunity. So I told myself that after a year there, if there wasn't significant progression and a good looking future ahead, I needed to, to change because I am a fairly driven person. I got some fairly big goals and yeah. uh, in the not too distant future, I'd like to be walking there to buy those cars, not just working there. Right. So after COVID in the year past, it just wasn't quite enough. There's a few red flags and I had to go. And it's great that it you're listening to that because I think a lot of times people think, no, 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 I have to, a job's really important. I've got to stay in a job and they're not even aware that there are red flags or if there are red flags, they're not even willing to do something about it. Totally, totally. It's, it's a classic story of being stuck in a job that isn't quite bad enough to leave, but, mm -hmm. you know, you're stuck yeah. in that. It's a crap job, but yeah, can't yeah, leave. And yeah. It's so many people stuck in that. Yes. In that little spot. So, yeah, and being able to have the freedom in life at that point, not financially dying or whatever else, yep. to be able to say, look, I am going to leave and, you know, be able to fight myself for how long it takes yeah. to find a new job. So, but surprising um, that you saw yourself as being free to do that, as being a young dad with a young child, because I think sometimes for people that would be the big excuse not to make a change. It was the driving factor because I've got, obviously after dad fairly high standards on what a good parent is i think and i wasn't willing to sacrifice on that so mm. one of the big big red flags was they were 60 hour weeks plus 12 hours a week in travel right so seeing kids was not very often yes and that wasn't okay for me and the boss just wasn't willing to budge everyone else was working from home the rest of the world is working from home right but we're a car dealership and the boss is not interested in us right. taking any time off so the move had to be made and at that point, it was a bit of a leap of faith because I didn't fully have enough clients to go fully freelance. But mm. finding another job was going to be another full-time nine-to-five, barely seeing the kids. So mm. lucky enough, the general manager of Lorbeck, Sean Baker, who is now the owner of Young Timers Garage, one of my biggest clients, mm. uh, was leaving to, to form the company, to form YTG. And he let me know that he appreciated me and my talent, my skills, and he wanted to bring me on board. So oh, wonderful. I was already thinking about leaving. And then he sat me down to have that conversation. And it was like, right, the ducks are falling into place. This yes. might just work. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's just taken off from there. <laughs> well and truly. Uh... I do think it's wonderful that there have been people in your life who, as that evidence, who were willing to have a conversation with you and maybe put an idea on the table. Yeah, well, I mean, I can't help but feel like there's two types of people in life. There's mm -hmm. the, the people who are happy to work whatever job it is and the people who are out there 
almost lazy people in the sense that they're not willing to settle. They want to chase their passions and follow their dreams and they're yes. not going to let anything get in the way of that. Uh, so it's definitely a, a clean divide between the people who are just happy to work a Macca's job and mm. and the people who are not. Yes, uh, yes, yes. I definitely think that I'm definitely one of the not. So, and I think um, you're talking to one of those as well. <laughs> exactly right. And, I, and other people who are the not pick up on that. Yeah. And they recognise other people in that same boat. So, yeah, that's definitely been helpful in, in building connections mm. and further clients and stuff like that by being able to represent that value. Mm. Brilliant. Then what happened so, on the journey? Oh, Matt, where do we go from here? <laughs> so I've built a little bit of a tree here to sort of show one of the journeys of how things have unfolded. We'll touch back on the start. So before working at Lawbeck, I was lucky enough to have a mate of mine who bought a car from there. And that relationship ended with the, the dealership owner asking us to represent the dealership on a rally called the Tiger Florio Australian Tribute. And that was basically a paid five-day holiday. And it was the week before my wedding. <laughs> and by represent, the, we'll come back to the wedding in a moment, but by represent, was that the photography or were you doing something else? No, that was just straight up come and represent the brand. The dealership was sponsoring the event, so we just needed to be there to to wear the Lawbeck logos right. and, and talk to people about the company, represent its values and everything else. Yep. And that was fantastic. That was an absolutely awesome experience. We've done the rally <laughs> several times since. But yeah, a week before my wedding, which was, thank you very much, wife, for that one. <laughs> Having um, a supportive that, partner for uh, tracing our dreams is a great aspect, I think, to consider in a workscope. Absolutely essential. Yeah, the choice in your partner will make or break your, your ability to do things in life without a doubt. Mm. Yeah. So while I was there, because I obviously already was taking photos and social media and that side of thing, I just went there to do it for myself, do it for free and do it a little bit for Warbeck as well. And people took notice. So we can start ticking down the branches of the tree now. So mm. one of the people who was running the safety aspect of the event, because we had closed road sections, so there was a company that was closing the roads, making sure that we're all in order and timing and all that yes. sort of stuff. So the guy who was running that company took notice and remembered who I was. I just knew him as one of the guys that was running the team at the time. But I actually got a call from him pretty close to when I was leaving Lawbeck saying that he was starting up a track day company. He wanted me to cover photos for that. Mm. Uh, he also recommended me to a charity called Drive Against Depression, which is another branch of that tree. So now right. I have some official media partner for Drive Against Depression. Wonderful. Um, mm. His name was Martin Doxy. And so he started Winton Track Days. So I started photographing Winton Track Days and just selling photo packages to the patrons of the events which then, the next branch of the tree, introduced me to Stephen White, who is the general manager of the AASA, the Australian Auto Sport Alliance, and now the general manager of Winton Raceway as well. And long story short, he asked me to cover all of their social media marketing, EDMs, and all that sort of stuff as well. So we're slowly picking up clients and taking on new tasks and challenges and, and building skills Brilliant. as we go. Mm. Yeah. The Winton Track Days had a partnership with a company called Hyper Racer, which I've become extremely involved with since. Uh, in short, they are an Australian manufacturer building open-wheeler race cars. The only company in the, the country currently manufacturing a brand-new open-wheeler race car. Right. That is completely Australian-made, built, designed, everything. So built a relationship with them, taking photos and doing some social media stuff for them just for free, just, you know, general relationship stuff, giving them a hand because I really like what they're doing. 
Um, Which is a great attitude they... to have. And I, and I think sometimes people think in their workscape, oh, I should only be looking for things where I earn money. And I think it can be quite oh. a strategic choice to think I don't have to get money. I want to practice or I want to build relationships. Totally, totally. Yep. So they repaid me by letting me drive one of the cars, which Woo-hoo! was pretty fantastic. And by some miraculous combining of fates, I managed to do quite well, <laughs> which was awesome. And so that relationship grew quite rapidly. They wanted to get me into a car to make the series more competitive, which unfortunately I was not willing to sell my road car to finance the race car. So that didn't happen quite yet. But we just continued that relationship since Hyper Racer then is growing and spreading and building more cars. And they've brought in a New South Wales distributor who has then seen what I'm doing and come to me and ask me to to represent the brand and do all the social media marketing and everything for them. We should maybe just say at this point too, it's not a case of that you were just an everyday driver and they're like, let's just ask an everyday driver to get behind the wheel of our car. (laughs) Yes. Well, obviously by this point, you probably tell that my career is very automotive based because cars are just a massive passion and hobby of mine. I got no interest in working a day job in a field I don't care for. I want to work inside of my passions and hobbies so that I have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, it's just, you know, as we go along, we meet new people, they just create new yep. contacts and new business opportunities arise. And it's that super important aspect of opportunities will come and doors will swing open at any point. You don't know when that's going to happen. You just have to be ready for it when it does. Yeah. Well, I do remember, and I don't know if you ever knew this, many years ago, it was a couple of years pre-COVID, I went and had lunch with your dad and we were in South Melbourne. He goes, do you mind if we just walk around the corner here? I just want to check on a car. And I'm like, why are we checking on a car? And he goes, I want to show you this car that my son and Nico and I have bought. It's this really cool. And it was a very fast looking yellow Lotus car. And there was a moment where I thought, Stuart, I, I, I honor you as a friend. I'm not really a car person, but I do see your passion right here. And I'm, I'm, I get the feeling I'm supposed to be very enthusiastic at this point with you, but I'm going to be enthusiastic about your passion. But yes, I got to see the car that you and he bought. And I'm imagining then you were probably still at university or hadn't even I quite... was. Yeah, right. I was, yeah. Me and dad bought the car together while I was at university and the loan was pretty much every spare dollar that I was making at the time. (laughs) I mean, it was a serious consideration and that's why I wanted to raise it because your passion is so much so that you actually put your money in, in terms of your commitment. It's not just to sit on the sidelines. It's like, no, this is to actually having a unique and rare car that is on the Australian roads. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the doors that have opened since owning that car is just insane you're joining clubs, but not just that. The people you meet through the clubs, people see you differently. People oh genuinely value you and your opinion more when you show up in something like that. It's yeah. it's just, it's human psychology. Mm, yeah. I think it says something about, I'm a young person and I took this big risk. You know, owning a car like this is clearly not something that you just do on a whim, but I am that passionate about it and I'm that considered in terms of what it's going to be involved in owning this car and driving this car as you say it says something about who you are that makes people maybe think oh there's something interesting about this guy yeah definitely it's hard to know these days when you meet someone whether they are 
a go-getter, a doer, someone who's actually willing to to get things done versus someone who's just happy to talk. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Uh, And, yeah, a way to prove that is definitely to show up in a car like that. Yes. (laughs) So where do we go from here? What's our next point? So you've been invited to get behind the wheel of a car with the team and race. So we did the drive with Hyper Racer. I managed to get just a few seconds off uh, what's considered some of the best times in the car at the time. So that was pretty fantastic. And this is on a, um, um, a closed race track, not out on yeah, the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Winton Raceway, which is a circuit in the, the northern part of Victoria in Australia. It's just a little country race track, 3Ks long, nothing, nothing, not a Formula One circuit or anything like that, but long enough to have a bit of fun. In. I do a lot of sim racing and I have done for quite a while. Obviously, my passion is cars and driving. Yeah. So sim racing at home and a lot of hours. I was talking to dad the other day. I reckon I've done more than 10,000 hours of sim racing, which right. is, you know, that's that's the uh, cliched quote for mastery, 10,000 hours. Yeah, 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 um, indeed. A lot of time yeah. <laughs> before and, kids, and, before and, kids. And, and do you have a, a genuine sense that doing that training and the simulation has prepared you more in terms of, I guess, your reflexes and your coordination for actually being out in the real world in a real car on a real racetrack? 100 percent absolutely there is there is no way that someone with no prior race car experience in any way shape or form could get Mm. in a car and in 16 laps be two seconds off the pros and the guys who built it it's it's purely that sim racing experience yes on the back end all the muscle memory is already built all of the expectation of what the car should feel like is already built by the time i got in the car it was just about matching what the car felt like to all the data tables in my head that I'd spent countless hours making. And once I'd, you know, aligned the two and figured out, okay, this is what that amount of brake feels like. This is how much turn in it has. This is how much grip it has. It's just go at that point. (laughs) Which I think is a really interesting point to call out to our listeners because I think sometimes people think, oh, I've got nowhere. I don't know anybody with a race car. I'm nowhere near a racetrack. Therefore, racing is not a possibility. Whereas if they took a more creative thought and thought, okay, there is a possibility, whatever my passion is or interest, maybe there's a tangential path I could take where there's a simulation or something that I could play and try that is low risk, low cost, can be done within the sphere of my home environment, but it does set me up for something more if I'm willing to believe the possibility of it might. But it's not a case of, again, back to your previous point, I'm not just sitting back going, oh, it's not going to happen. It's no, I'm actually putting some skin in the game and learning something with a possibility of who knows where it will go. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Actually, i actually written down a similar thing in my notes that doing things outside of uh, your normal work, your your daily nine to five, which for me would be taking photos or social media posting. Outside of that, all the extra things that you're doing, even if they might just seem like fun at the time, like going on the Tiger Florio rally, look at what's come from that. But that was just a fun five-day event, paid, yes. paid drinks and, and accommodation. But there's so many examples of that in my career. Things like taking the Lotus to the Winston track days that I was paid to be at and yes. going out and cutting some laps. Because people are seeing me out there cutting laps. The hyper guys are seeing that I'm not an idiot, which Mm. helps when I say, can I have a go in the car? All these things, right? I mean, there's there's buying the Elise, like we just said before, and the amount Mm. amount of of ways doors that opens and the way people view you just because you own that car. Every single thing you do impacts your reputation and how much Mm. experience you have in a given field. And you never know when that is going to come in handy. Yes, yes. And I think it's one of the things that 
you can't necessarily predict like, oh, if that's my goal and I did the following things, it's going to get me there, I think. And you used the phrase before, kind of on faith. And I think what I'm hearing is a, a big theme coming out in your story is you just tried some things, maybe because they were fun, maybe because they were interesting, not because it's like, if I do these steps, it's I'm confident it's going to lead to something. It's just like, I'm taking it on faith. I'm just putting myself out there and trying and who knows what will come of it. And if nothing came of it, I imagine you would have been okay. Well, it... I, most of the stuff I wasn't expecting to get anything out of it, you know, and that, mm. that's the whole following your your passion and, and your dream is that most of it you're just doing for fun because you'd be doing it for free if you could, you know. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So um, you touched on before that I do a podcast. So I think it's probably worth mentioning that because as a, a part of my workscape, one of the many things that I do especially for YTG and the plethora of things that I do for them is host the YTG podcast. Mm. And aren't podcasts just a great way of sharing knowledge? Yes, indeed. And by the way, at this point, your dad is going to be so proud that you made a reference to sharing knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Got to throw one in there for him. Yes. How did podcasting come about and, and why did you imagine these kids is one of those opportunities that presented itself, but, and why did you grasp it? Why did you run with it? Well, it's an interesting one. I get complimented a lot on my insane car knowledge. A car can, can pass two streets away yes. and I can tell you what it is based right. off the engine note. That is um, definitely insane knowledge. People send me photos of the most obscure cars going, what's this? I've never seen it before. And just bang, I know exactly what it is. It's just, you have a memory for the things that you're passionate about (laughs) Um, and the things that come to you naturally. And that's one of them for me. And so doing something like a podcast related to cars makes a lot of sense. Because what else am I going to do with this this Wikipedia in my head of knowledge that's not really good for anything? (laughs) So when we started with YTG, it it was very much... Sean giving me the keys and saying, I'm not a social media expert. You are. Go for it. Go nuts. And so we did a whole bunch of stuff that professional businesses wanting to look good out in the world probably wouldn't do because they're risks and we're doing mm. things that are a little bit left field and all sorts of stuff. And one of those was the podcast, right. um, which has been fantastic. It's so much fun to make because there's not a lot of structure to it. It's very free flowing kind of like what we're doing here i plan the episodes ahead a little bit in terms of topics and that sort of stuff and and i mediate sean because man sean can go off on a tangent (laughs) and uh yeah we obviously have this unique point where we're in the automotive industry so we can sort of share what things are looking like from inside a dealer's perspective what the market up and down and car stories is another one working with cars for so long you have some pretty crazy Mm. stories so we love to get a few of those out every episode or two and yeah, what an, what an interesting platform compared to everything else in the world right now, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Mm. Podcast really is this standalone segment of the market. You've got such such a smaller but no less valuable segment of people who actually listen to podcasts, mm. which is good or worse. And the, and the views don't tend to correlate too well compared to Instagram or Facebook because of that. But yeah, so many so many new lessons to learn in that world. Um, which has been which has been a lot of fun have you been a person who was listening to a lot of podcasts before you started creating podcasts yeah I I struggle to I struggle to switch my brain off and Mm. and my brain struggles to to sit idle so Mm. a lot of my spare not even spare time 
time spent driving, time spent editing, I'll often need something else mm. filling that other half of my brain. So yeah. I do listen to a lot of podcasts, yeah. wide ranging. So, yeah. so a few of my favorites, everything everywhere daily, 10 minute episodes, just random topics about whatever in the yeah. world. I really, really enjoy that podcast because it's just learning. It's just learning about mm. things that you would never otherwise touch on. Another one of my big favorites is the Pirate History podcast, which is more of a storytelling but of history. And history is a big, a big one for me. I love learning from the lessons yep. of the past um, and the stories from history and the way that you can can yes. pick up on things and not replicate their mistakes. Yes. You know, um, so history is another big one, and that's uh, the Pirate History podcast is another great story. That's it's 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 called a podcast about pirates, but it's at least 60% just general world history. You know, you have such a great sense of the fact that the world was at war for like 400 years straight. <laughs> and and mm. the way that, that we've developed as a human race from the 1300s through to the 1700s of the golden age of piracy and to now and the ramp up of everything from yeah. from sort of the 1700s, 1800s. I was at, at a drive against depression drive the other day uh, and we'd stopped in this country pub for lunch and on the wall was a picture a picture like a, an actual camera picture of what the town looked like in oh, maybe it wasn't a camera picture i think it was 1861 so maybe it was a painting right i don't actually know when cameras were first made i should really know that <laughs> so 1861 and it was you know it looked like what your grandma's house would look like right it's fairly yeah. relatable you think that wasn't that long ago one two generations yeah. whatever and then in the far corner of the pub was one of those intricate wooden ship molds, one of these $4,000 yep. amazing works of art of these ships, big sailing ships. And we now were further away from that 1861 painting than the ship was, which just goes to show like from, from relatable to completely unrelatable, mm. we're further away. Yes, um, yes. So that the way that we have ramped up in the last couple hundred years is just crazy. One of the things that I think that makes for a good podcast is to have a person who's in the conversation who loves learning about things and is interested about things. And so if there was a point where you were not already doing a podcast, I'd be like, hey, Nico, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? You'd be great <laughs> for it. Yeah, well, I'd had that conversation several times with with multiple mates as well. Just you know, doing podcasts of fun because we're all quite passionate guys, and yes. we love to talk about it anyway. Why not record it? Yes. So it's good to good to finally do that. I'm curious. Yeah. You mentioned a few there that you like to listen to. When you have listened to different ones, have you picked up and thought, "Oh, I really like that style. That's a style I'd like to bring into how I do what I I do when I do podcasts." Well, yes, mm-hmm. but. That's all right. I, I love a yes, kids. but. I have two young kids and a lot of the styles that I really enjoy um, are quite heavily based on a lot of pre-planning episodes are very structured and you get a really good story out of that. And it's very easy to listen to, very informative. I do not have the time to be planning stuff out on that scale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so unfortunately, that's not something that I can replicate. But um, it's something that I would like to learn to replicate in the future once the kids are a bit older and I have a bit more time to focus on that sort of stuff. Well, I think it's even important to know that there are different styles of podcasting and you can listen to a sort of podcasting style and like it, 
but might not be the one that is a good fit for where your personality and your interests lie or even the subject matter lies. And for myself, this is going to be podcast episode 49 in the series. And when I started out doing this podcast series for Self Unlimited, I originally had in mind I was only going to do 10. It was going to be a limited series. And that was partly because I didn't think I had the time to keep doing a lot of this. I wasn't sure whether it would be something that would be of interest to me. I wasn't sure how much work would be involved. And also, too, I had seen many people who go, yeah, I'm going to do podcasting. There'll be one every week for years to come. And I'm like, who has the time to fit that in with all of the recording and the editing and things like that? So I decided, no, 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 I'm only going to do 10. That's manageable. And I'm only going to record an episode when there's somebody interesting to talk to. I'm not going to put a lot of content out there just to fulfill some kind of quota of I've got to get another one um, published because I told everybody there would be one a week or one a month. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's amazing how it grows like that, isn't it? As, yeah. as soon as you start something, opportunities and doors open. You just got to get in there and Indeed. do it. Well, I was also open for the possibility that maybe this isn't my jam. And and I, and I would encourage listeners who might be thinking, gosh, I don't know if I'm even wanting to start because maybe it did be, I won't call it a runaway success, but it might actually become this thing that's very big and, and too much to handle, is that for me, there was always the possibility of saying, I've got an out. I can say no. If it becomes too much, I've I've got a clear point where I can stop. So even when it got to the 10th one, it's like, oh, I'm actually still enjoying this. I'm willing to keep going. I'm hearing some interesting conversations and different people that I'd like to talk to. And I do see that my style has evolved over the time. And another thing I would say to people who are listening, who if they're thinking, oh, maybe this podcasting thing is for me. Look for what you think's your own style and own it. Don't be apologetic that, oh, I should be doing it like so-and-so or because I really like that one uh, that I listen to all of the time. I really should follow that because that's what I like. Just because you like it, it might not work for you. I mean, one of the ones that I really enjoy is the Armchair Expert by Dax Shepard in the US. He's an actor and I admit it, admittedly started listening to it because it was curious to hear him talk to some actors and actresses as well as other experts. But what fascinates me is his podcasts can actually go up to an hour and a half, two hours. And I'm actually okay with the length of that because it gives time for these people to reveal things beyond the normal nine minutes that they're used to doing on film junkets. And they reveal some really interesting stuff about them that I walk away with a sense of like, wow, you really are human. You're not this person up on a pedestal and you really do have everyday issues that are going on and, and struggles and challenges. And I don't actually feel like, oh, I want to be like you in the sense of a celebrity, but I have the sense of like, oh, I want to be like you in that I'm working through these things as well. And it's good to know there are other people who are working through things. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Could not agree more. Yeah. Is there a favorite episode for you that you've recorded in the podcast series? Oh, so the last two that we did, we yeah. had special guest Colin Clark, who is a pretty big name in the world of motorsport and rally. Right. He's a journalist, but he's also like, he's the, the presenter of World Rally Championship. Yep. So um, he's a pretty well-known guy and he's got some fantastic stories. So mm -hmm. those two episodes, uh, they're 27 and 28 they were pretty epic. The 
two weeks time we are going to have sam from seen through glass who is uh, a big automotive youtuber from the uk with you know, half a million subscribers and that sort of thing he's coming to australia and we've managed okay. to pinch him so so those episodes are also going to be pretty fantastic so we've been hearing about all these things that have been coming into your workscape these opportunities you've been grabbing are there some that are currently emerging new things that you're looking to reach out and grab oh, yes and no it's it's I'm in a really tricky stage of life at the moment with a three-year-old and a one-year-old. My current work plate is so full, it's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, I wrote down here that, what does my day look like? Well, it's either kids from when I wake up until seven and then I work until midnight, or if my wife has the kids or if they're in daycare, I go to some sort of work, whether it be going to an actual photo shoot or, or something like that come home whenever I come home and deal with the kids bed, bed bathroom routine, whatever it might be until seven and then work until midnight and that's seven days a week. So I would love to chase more and I've got a few ideas of ways to chase more um, and different things to do. I've got bare bones just starting to put together now of a automotive media career course to effectively teach all of the young guys out there what makes up the automotive industry what are all the different forms of media who are all the different types of people that you can work for and how to get into each of those separate industries because they are completely separate and then of course the actual skills behind the camera of what you need to do in order to be competent to chase those in the first place which is yeah. being prepared for the opportunities when they arise there's no point chasing something if you don't have the skill yeah. to fulfill the requirement of whatever client it might be in the first place so that's something that i would love to chase and do there's a few other things like that that are just totally on the back burner for now because I just mm. do not have the time to even think well, about them. I'm, I'm pleased to hear that you are weighing that up because I think sometimes people think with a passion, I should just be going, going, going. And there's a quote that's just sitting on a sticky note on top of my desktop at the moment. And it goes something like, if you don't want to burn out, why are you living like you're on fire? <laughs> and I think there's an interesting one that often people talk about passion as the fire that's burning in me. But this is something that needs to be fed, just like your soul needs to be fed and your well-being needs to be fed. And if you're expending it all out on doing and not taking the time to rest or to recoup, um, because when people look at very successful people and go, oh, that happens so quickly for them. These things are a marathon. They're not a sprint. And so you yep. need to have the energy and the mental resilience and the relationship set up around you to be able to go the distance with them. And I think it's very encouraging and great to hear that you are not at all surprising, given who your dad is, to, to that there's a kind of moment of taking stock. What can I do right now? And how do I kind of balance and make it all fit together? Yeah, well, when you're working for yourself, it's it's critical. If, if you take on too many clients and you can't fulfill the needs of each one of your clients because you've bound them too much and you lose them all, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's, just, it's not something you can afford to be bad yeah. at. Well, and I know that probably sounds to you like that's a really clear thing to say, but I have known other people in small businesses who keep taking it on because it's almost like, but what if I don't get any more work? I've got to grab all of this. And I think not being able to kind of have clear boundaries about what you can take on and even a standard, like I want to do quality work. I want to treat my clients well. I don't want to make sure my reputation suffers. These are genuine considerations that they don't, they don't think about, but I think it's great that you are thinking about them. Yep. 
Yeah, ba- balance is such an important part of life in every aspect. Um, I mean, it, it's good that my work is so heavily tied in with my hobbies and my passions that I mean, half the, the, the cliche saying doesn't feel like work. So yeah. it can kind of also be my rest at the yeah. same time, yeah. which is probably one of the only ways I can manage to yeah. work, you know, until midnight, seven days a week, because yeah. I don't hate what yeah. I'm doing if I did. <laughs> so as we're coming to a close and if somebody's thinking, gosh, Nico sounds like he's got a wonderful mix of things going on there and I want to do a, a be like Nico, what would be your advice or some summary points that you could give them? So I've got three points. The first is the entrepreneurial mindset. Whatever needs to be done, get it done. See a need, fill a need. doesn't matter whether you've done it before or not, whether you know how to do it before or not, learn, Mm -hmm. get it done. So many of the opportunities in my career and some of those, you know, branches of the tree have been people asking me to do things that I don't know how to do or haven't done before. And it's just a matter about saying yes and figuring out how to get it done. Um, And if you, if you fail, you fail and that branch of the tree goes nowhere, but you won't know. And if you fail, you'll learn something even with failing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's how, that's how you gain the extra skills anyway, right? You, mm. No one's really going to sit there and actually learn all of the, a career worth of stuff in their own free time. No way. You've got to yeah. get out there and be forced to do it. So point number two, and we've talked about this so much this episode, following your passion is so much easier to do what you're doing properly when it's yeah. something that you care about and you yes. enjoy doing. It's just so critical for what I do. So And, and drive, having the drive to keep going is just it is the number one most quintessential part. You've got to care. You've got to be interested. Mm. And my final point, maximizing opportunities. We spoke a bit about this before. My career is built on being able to walk through doors when they open. A worker is at the behest of the work available. So prepare yourself for as many different types of work as possible Mm. so that whatever comes your way, you can take it, whether it's, you know, for me, whether it's photography, whether it's social media management, whether it's email marketing, these are all, all required, totally different programs Mm. to use. There's totally different ways of reaching audience, totally different segments of your market. You need to talk to differently and learning all of those skills so that when you have a client that says, can you do X, you can be the dependable person that says, yes, I can do that for you. And I would add in there too, that, be kind to yourself in that don't expect that you need to know everything because the world is changing so fast with new technologies and new ways of doing things. Nobody knows everything that they need to know for something they're going to do. So don't think it's a case of, oh, I must have been lazy or I didn't put enough effort in if I haven't done this learning. It is actually not possible, I think, to be on the forefoot of knowing all that you need to know for a situation. I think it's the modern condition that we don't know what we don't know or we don't need to know and we have to enter into a space figuring out as we go 100 percent. with, the, with the, the pace that everything's moving at the moment everyone's learning on the fly mm, yeah i mean we haven't even talked about the role of artificial intelligence and the kind of things we're talking doing oh. with creative content yeah that's another episode <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Nico, I so much appreciate you finding a little slice of your time to talk with me. And this has been a great conversation. Thank you. I really enjoy it. Thank you very much for uh, having a little peek into my life. Brilliant. Workscapes are changing everywhere. For more goodness to change your workscape, visit www.beselfunlimited.com 